All right, welcome back into the Plank Show right here on the home of Sooner fans, the Ref Sports Radio Network. With Josh Helmer, I'm Chris Plank. We're also active on Twitter at Josh on Ref at Plank Show. And everybody should be following us at KREF Sports on Twitter. Find the podcast as soon as the show's wrapped up at either kref.com or however you consume podcasts. Search KREF. And the Chick-fil-A countdown clock. Is it five days, seven hours, one minute, and 37 seconds? Woo, let's play some more football, shall we? Chick-fil-A, 12th and Alameda. Call them at 405-310-3189. Your game day tailgate headquarters. Try the new honey pepper pimento chicken sandwich. Pretty doggone good, I must say. Is it? Have you had one? Yeah. I have not had one yet. They uh, they brought them and dropped them off. Pretty, uh, pretty doggone good. I have absolutely had the worst luck or timing with free food around here. The worst luck or timing. Maybe that changes today. We are counting down to the... Press conference with Brent Venable, so we're out of skosh early today. 11.30 is whenever Coach will take to the dais. And we're going to spend the next 30 minutes on the Sooner defense, hearing from Ted Roof. And then after that, we're going to spend the next 30 minutes hearing from – sorry – hearing uh, from Sooner offensive coordinator Jeff Levy. How's that sound? I love it. Let's, uh, let's do just that. Okay, off the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. This is from Bobby in B.A. He writes, Kip Lewis needs more love. Caleb Kelly said last night that he was in on 11 plays and received 11 grades of 100%. That is awesome. Somebody needs to be copying off his work. That's what needs to happen. So, during yesterday's meeting with the media, Sooner defensive coordinator... Ted Roof, was asked about Kip Lewis. And to say that uh, he seemed to echo those sentiments would be a dramatic and pretty um, pretty obvious understatement. I think that they're really happy and really excited about what Kip Lewis has the potential to be for this defense. Here's uh, Coach Roof talking about Kip Lewis. Kip's really matured. He's a different guy than he was last year. Uh, and I'm really proud of him. Uh, he played – he played really hard, played fast, and uh, is starting to have confidence, you know, as far as knowing what to do year two in the system. And, you know, the first year of transition from high school to college and then into a new system and then the next year, and uh, he's made some good strides and uh, expect him to continue to make good strides. Oh, wait, hold on here. I cut that off early. Dang it. No, he's made some good strides and uh, expect him to continue to make good strides. Yeah, he's very instinctive. Uh, that's one of his strengths. George had asked how instinctive is he, um, and that was the answer. I only cut the question out because it was a little bit awkward, but I just realized that editing job was much more awkward. I apologize. <laughs> it's just, uh, it's nice to have uh, a little sorry, little awkward energy. Jeez Louise, man, can I edit anymore? Do you still get those PFF numbers, or is that a thing of the past? Uh, yeah, I can look them up, sure. Can we look up Kip Lewis's numbers and how they graded him? Because to me, I would think if you and, – and let me make this very, very clear. No offense to PFF. The grades that matter are those grades that Brent Venables gives you and that Caleb Kelly would have access to. But he was one of those guys that I, I think came in maybe even a little bit earlier than we might have expected in the rotation – and I've been a big Kip Lewis fan since he came on campus. A little undersized, but 
as he continues to get bigger and stronger, I think he's going to make a difference, as are most of the second-year guys. In fact, Ted Roof was asked, all right, you get these second-year guys, they get an opportunity, what are you looking for when they get out on the field? Here's what the Sooner defensive coordinator said about expectations from guys there in year two. I hope to see people playing fast, people playing physical, and people playing with confidence and knowing what to do and helping other people know what to do. Uh, and I think they're, they're growing. They're not where we want them yet, but they've certainly grown in that department. And, uh, you know, we've got to continue to grow. And I want to continue to see that development, which I'm, I'm confident that we will. So who is, who is in that group just off the top of your head? I'm, Kip Lewis, Jaron Kanick, uh, R. Mason Thomas, Colby McKenzie. McKenzie, yeah. I'm trying to look down here on the – well, I, we're not just talking about second – everyone's in their second year of the defense. We, we mean second-year players that are also in their second year. What, Gentry Williams is a year-two guy, right? He's year just two. a sophomore. Yeah, that's right. He would be in that mix. Jaden Rowe. Ja- oh, my gosh. Robert J- Spears Jennings. Jaden Rowe in a uniform is ridiculous. We didn't see Robert Spears Jennings take a snap, though, did we? Uh, no, I don't think so. Hold on. Let me look at my – I hand went through my partici- my participation chart last night, and yeah, I don't believe we did, yeah. I, I don't see him here. By the way, uh, Kip Lewis, according to Pro Football Focus, 12 snaps, and uh, let's see, overall defensive grade 67.7, pretty good, and uh, run defense was 69.8, tackling 77.1, nice. which – might have been – I mean, that's right toward the top okay. for Oklahoma. Eighth, my, eighth uh, okay. last week in tackling. My, uh, in my world, 67% was not a good grade. Back in my day. Yeah, I think Robert Spears Jennings was on my list with Josiah Wagner, R. Mason Thomas, Gavin Sawchuck of guys that – we thought we might see, and I think even suited up but didn't play. Our Mason Thomas was suited up, and he didn't play. Gavin Sawchuk was suited up, and he didn't play. I don't remember seeing Jennings suited up, but uh, Helms, Kane Helms, was not suited up. He wasn't in uniform. But, yeah, I those second-year guys – obviously are going to end up being big-time difference makers and leaders for this program. Per the, uh, the Plank road. Show Mole Network, mm-hmm. uh, Robert Spears Jennings wasn't cleared, but uh, uh, they're working him back this week and uh, is expected to be is cleared for this week. Speaking of depth, right, the number of players out of position, I thought that it was interesting to hear Ted Roof asked about the number of linebackers they want to play, and I think it was – Jenny Carlson, who would ask the players, you know, it's what what did Todd Bates say last week? You know, six to six to seven guy rotation, and there's not necessarily a limit on that. <laughs> I'm sorry, we only got eight, we only got six spots. You two guys that are practicing real well, you don't get to play. I mean, I, I think that can be flexible, and obviously, when the score gets like it is, but on a any given Saturday. What is the number of linebackers that a Ted Roof feels like he can play and you know, obviously feel good about it? Here's what Coach Roof said about that number he wants to be at of linebackers he has confidence in. Well, I think we played either 12 or 13 on Saturday. And, uh, you know, we're not going to have the luxury of doing that too many times at, at the linebacker position. But, uh, you know, you'd like to – 
to keep good rotation, to keep guys fresh, and, and at the same time, guys that are in backup roles getting meaningful reps when when the game's in balance or and things of like that because that's how they grow and that's how they they continue to, to grow and develop and so but you know a lot of that's dictated by the circumstances of the game and by how guys practice and how they play when they have their opportunity so there's a lot of things that go into that but uh, we want we want to play a bunch of guys you know as, as many guys that earn it the thing you run into is, no I don't think that's too many you know you're limited in practice reps so you know guys preparing within the game the game plan you know that that part of it so like I said we were able to play our, our fourth team and uh, what was really cool about that was our first team and second team guys were on the field screaming at, screaming at him about protecting the shutout and now uh, that was a that was a big deal and that was like a really cool thing to see how prideful everybody was about that the time honored tradition in a blowout win of the starters, and at least in this case, the second-string guys becoming auxiliary coaches and hype men on the sidelines. Nah, it's a tradition unlike any other. Don't you dare give up that shutout. <laughs> if you were to say, you know, and it's weird because I don't have to ask Ted this question. I don't know when they say linebackers that played, if they include the Cheetah. Cheetah. Because in the starting lineup... Brent the, seems to. Yeah, in the starting lineup on the participation chart, Harrington's listed as a DB. But I, I, I wonder if because he's in Ted's room, if that would be considered in that linebacker rotation or not. But if there was one thing I learned whenever we got a chance to go to practice last week, man, you don't, you don't realize how quickly things cook. I mean, there is, there is not a lot. They don't. They do not get a lot of time. I think they get, you know, maybe two hours, maybe maybe two and a half, and it 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 goes. So there's not all these. Man, I want to see more of Kobe McKenzie. Well, true, but you also need Danny Stutzman and Jaron Kanick to be in there learning how to defend this offense against the scout team. Then you need uh, Connor Near in there to learn how to defend what he's going to see. Uh, against the scout team. So it's just only so many reps to go around, only so right. much time. But I understand it, man. I understand it. All those – I felt like all those linebackers looked really good. Now, the constant question has been concerns over the lack of sacks, right? But even Bryn Venable said during his coach's show uh, – during our post game that he felt pretty good. You know, it, it didn't seem like there was a situation where – Quarterback was standing back there with plenty of time and, you know, had a chance to eat the eat the ham sandwich, the elusive ham sandwich before he threw a pass. But I, I loved this question, and I didn't know who it was that asked. I wasn't familiar with the voice. But it's a great question. So what are you looking for? What is something for Ted Roof where you're not going to have a lot of sacks and you're seeing the quick game and you're seeing Max protect – what are you looking for as a coach that makes you say, uh, we got good pass rush going? Well, you're right. You know, we saw a lot of max protection. and We, we anticipated that. So, uh, you know, but as far as, you know, being able to generate some 
get the quarterback off his spot with four. And then when that happens and when teams are maxing up, you know, your coverage and your rush have to work together. Your coverage has got to do a good job and buy those guys some more times because if they're in seven-man protection and you're rushing four, that means three guys are getting double teamed and only one guy's got a sing- singled up. So, um, you know, it's got to work together. And, you know, we anticipated that. I, I, can I translate that a little bit? Maybe they expect a little bit more. Maybe, you know, there's nothing to complain about. But in that same vein, here's, here's what you do in those situations to still affect the passer, and we need to do it better. I wonder if they'll see a lot of max protects this year. I wonder if that D-line's going to be good enough to where teams say, oh, we got to bring in someone else to help out. Or if you get, and sometimes not like this past week, not like this past week. Sometimes they'll, you know, they always Shane Beamer had told us whenever Kyler Murray was here, it's like, oh, you know, they might get a free rusher on that play. That's okay. Kyler will make a miss. You know, you're going to face some teams that'll have really good mobile quarterbacks once you get, well, I don't get too carried away here. You'll face some mobile quarterbacks as the season progresses. Right. And nobody like Kyler. I don't think you're going to see anyone like that. But I, I get the point you were trying to make. You're going to face some quarterbacks that, if you get a one-on-one, they can make you miss here and there. Right. But I also don't – I think it could have been better, but I don't think they're out complaining quite a bit. <laughs> like, gosh, only one sack and it didn't come till the fourth quarter? I think they're madder than anything about the two busts sure. <laughs> on the 40- and 26-yard passes. Yeah, because, I mean, you did give up two healthy chunk plays there that led to the field goal misses. All right, quick break. Quick break. When we come back, more of Ted Roof. We'll learn a little bit more about Jacoby Johnson's role, what they saw from Gentry Williams, and Kobe McKenzie. It's all coming up as we relive what Coach Roof said, Sooner Defensive Coordinator. Oh, and he's got a great answer about SMU. You could see him light up. When James Hale asked him about SMU, Josh, it was like a a twinkle in Ted Roof's eyes, like, thank you for asking about our opponent. We'll get into it next right here on The Ref. All right, welcome back into the Plank Show right here on The Ref, the home of Sooner fans. Some TV rating numbers are starting to trickle out. Ah, we love this. From college football this weekend. Okay, so uh, LSU Florida State highest rated? Yeah. It was ridiculous. Colorado, TCU next. Uh, hold on. I'm trying to find. It's almost as if. We don't have the ratings we, on Duke. We don't have Clemson ratings on yet. Duke. I can't find. Let's see here. I can't find anything on Colorado's game. I mean, that had to be one of the highest rated games. Had to be. What's going on here? This was literally just right in front of my fat face. It was like 9.2 million. For the uh, sa- a Sunday night game. LSU, Florida State? Yeah. Yeah. That, that's a huge number. It's a massive number. What and do, What do we always say? The 5 oh, million here. club? Here it is. Here it is. Not sure how to interpret ABC averaging 9.1 million viewers with Saturday night's broadcast of Florida State. It's up 20% versus the same matchup. Except to note that the network did those numbers while being dark in charter households in New York City, L.A., Chicago, and Houston. So, in other words, <laughs> the game which peaked at 10.3 million viewers, Josh, yeah, 
wasn't even able to be viewed in some big time markets. Big time markets. Those markets again? What were they? Uh, let's see here. What did? Uh, what did New York City, L.A., Chicago, and Houston—all big time markets, markets, but yeah. none of those Florida State, LSU markets. Right. Dude, it was pretty good. I would say it would be a game that I definitely would be watch uh, tuned into. That would be uh, that'd be interesting to know. I mean, like, how many people are watching college football in New York City? Typically, Mo- hey, that's good. Trust. as someone who does a radio show, Chicago, New York City, Chicago's a good college football market, is it not? Yeah, Chicago's a good college football because market. of Notre Dame hurt. and Ohio State and everybody. ESPN is flexing that it's the most watched Sunday opener since 2016. Do you remember what that was? Uh, it's gonna be tough, but once you hear it, you'll be like, "Oh." 2016 was Notre Dame, Texas. Ah, oh, yeah, Texas is back. back. Yeah. Uh, let's see here. Wrong I again. I don't see anything from Fox. Have you? You would think that they'd be flexing like crazy. Huh. Oh, fine. But there you go. That's what they had from the Sunday night game. I'll continue to dig for Saturday numbers. A whopper. Everyone's too busy on my media link tweeting about Skip Bayless and Stephen A. Smith, even though all they do is complain about Skip Bayless and Stephen A. Smith. <laughs> is this their – how many days have they been doing the show together? I think this is his debut today. Okay. Yeah, that's – Shannon Sharp, that is. I can't find anything on the – this is killing me right now. Nothing on Sports Media Watch here? Nothing on Sports Media Watch about uh, – all it is is just predictions. You would think – I wonder if with the Labor Day holiday, they're not going to drop like for Fox until today. Yeah, we must be just waiting a little tick longer. That's got to be monster numbers, I'm right? S- I'm so sorry, everyone. I know that you guys are patiently waiting on these numbers. <laughs> <laughs> I am here to tell you that I don't care about your stupid TV ratings. All right, back to Ted Roof in one second. I mean, I'm like three days back on this list and nothing. Weird. Um, Coach Gasso just dropped a go boomer on Twitter. She's mad at me. I tell you that, Coach is mad at me. I've got to do a lot to get out of her doghouse. What did you do? Well, Josh, you see, Saturday, Coach Gasso was walking in front of the stage and we were live, so I couldn't be low-key like, hey, Coach, what's going on? So I was just like, hey, there's Coach Gasso. What's up, Coach? Love you. Congrats on the natty. Why couldn't you say hello? Because it blew her cover, Josh. Then there were hundreds of people that were tracking. It was like TMZ, baby. It was wild. She can't go anywhere. Had security. Rockstar. She is. They had, well, I'll just say this. From what I could tell. So really, you shouldn't have said anything. It's, I should have said a word. That's what you got in trouble. It's not that you didn't say you hello re- properly. Okay. Do you remember? Do you remember that um, Clemson, the year they won the national championship, and I think it was Cleland Farrell and Dexter Lawrence when they got the mic afterwards and they did the, um, oh, they did the thing that Suge Knight did at the award show where he's like, if you're tired of dancing around, putting his face on your record, then you need to come to Clemson. It was great. It was a great moment to try to sell Clemson. And it was a complete takeoff of something that had happened just years ago. I did my best that while they were walking through. Don't know if it was legal or not. Don't know if it was legal. 
But it was, I don't know about you, but if you want to play for the best coach in college softball, if you want to win championships, if you want to play in a state-of-the-art facility, not have a coach dancing around on your record covers, then you need to come to the University of Oklahoma. Boom. I wonder if that, I wonder if that is what helped seal this go boomer today. Who knows? So uh, we're thinking an addition? I don't think it's from the portal. I think it's high school. Nice. Uh, yeah, yeah. Upcoming uh, commitment. I, I think this weekend, this weekend, uh, Oklahoma had, I want to say, maybe like four of the top eight recruits in the country that oh, really? were in this weekend. Yeah. Yeah, yeah hey. I look good. So I'm sorry, Coach. I hope you'll forgive me. Well, that's that's terrific news. So we're thinking 25 class or? So what would this be? 2025. Four classes next year, so this would probably be the twenty-five class, then, right? Or could it be twenty-four? You tell me. I don't cover college recruiting, man. Where's Parker on this? I think actually it's a twenty-four. I think, I think it's twenty-four. Okay. All right. Um. Oh, thank you. Yeah, five eight zero Nate. Thank God ESPN finally gets some ratings. They were just days away from leaking a Stephen A. Smith tape. Yeah, all of a sudden he's out there like a. Like Kim Kardashian or Paris Hilton. Stop, no. Or Portnoy. Uh, all right, back to, back to sports. Hey, that's Nate's fault. He wrote it. I cleaned it up, all right? I cleaned it up. Nate trying to make me work blue today. All right, we mentioned that Ted Roof was asked, uh, as, as was Brent Venables, about Butch Jones' comments, how the team looked different on tape, and if they looked faster. What, what did that look like to Ted Roof? Or what did he think of that comment, and can you credit it to anything? Well, I, I don't know if I could like give you a, an exact figure on the speed, but I, I think we're certainly uh, we were we were fresh, you know, we were uh, well conditioned. Our guys were hungry, and uh, and it showed. They did they confident, and they played fast, and uh, you know it was it was a good result. Really good result. Eric Bailey asked about Gentry Williams. I thought he seemed to play a really good game. And based on what Ted Roof said to the media yesterday, uh, it seemed like that he felt the same way as well. What I tell you about aesthetically, right? He looks that part over there at the opposite corner, doesn't he? You look at that dude and you're like, dang, man. Came downhill and popped somebody. Dang. Here's what uh, – Here's what Ted Riff said about him. I thought he played really fast, and I thought he played confident. Um, the, you know, his first start, and there wasn't a lot of hesitation. He played fast, and he played with confidence. And, uh, you know, Coach Fali has done a great job with him, you know, bringing him along, and, and Gentry's bought into everything. He's, he, he wants to do it right. He, he's so uh, detail-oriented for a young guy uh, that he's, like, at another level for a, a guy that's – you know, at his point in career, as far as the details, he wants to be coached. He, you know, he wants to be coached hard, and uh, I have a lot of respect for him. And he's nice to hear. Oh, that's great. And he took the year last year to learn. I think you said the right word. He was a sponge trying to learn everything. And, uh, you know, year one in the system, year one in college football. And uh, so I, I saw a lot of growth. And at the same time, uh, now with some some more reps, you know, the increased reps where things become muscle memory, where it's bam, 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 instead of dot to dot to dot, but bam, 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 bam. And that's, you know, like you see, with that's no different than most every kid at every position on defense. 
I love Ted Roof. I love Ted Roof. I I get it. There's some of you that when things go south, it's always going to be the guy that has a finger pointed at him, but he's awesome. One more, and then we'll get to the offensive side of the football. Why do you love Ted Roof? A, he tells me a lot of stuff. B, uh, A, he's really good in our interviews. Like, after the game, he'll tell you what went wrong. I mean, he talks. Not in a bad, like, he doesn't be like, gosh, I'm telling you right now. Nine screwed up everything. It's not like that, but if you hear Accountability him, and, hey, right. here's what happened. And number two, I just, I don't know, I just, I dig him. I think he's a good personality. I, I, I had never seen him at practice until last week, and he is in it, man. He getting is, after it? He is getting after it. That that quiet, calm, soothing voice. Not like football practice. Mm -mm -mm. <laughs> All right. This is the last thing from Coach Roof because, uh, thankfully, James Hale asked the question that I think Ted Roof wanted to ask more than anything else about SMU. Thank you for asking that question about moving on to the next game. I appreciate that. Um, you know, certainly uh, their head coach – and uh, their offensive coordinator, I was with them on staff when we were at Auburn when we won the national championship. And so I uh, have familiarity with those guys, have a lot of respect for them. Um, they're a well-coached football team. Uh, they go fast. Um, they hit you with a lot of different formations, a lot of different motions. And um, and uh, also from a schematic standpoint, um, you know, a lot of variation in what they do. Uh, their quarterback's uh, a guy that, uh, you know, that was his second start and uh, is, is impressive. Um, Stone moves moves in the pocket well, uh, is a quarterback run threat, and at the same time can make all the throws. Uh, they had some big plays at receiver, a lot of speed, and the tight ends are really uh, multidimensional, you know, the receivers and their blockers. And then the running backs, I thought the depth at running back, they did, you know, broke some big runs in. Johnson ran for 124 yards on, on 14 carries, I think. So uh, the ability to do both, to run the ball and then, you know, take shots. It's a good offensive football team. At least it was last year. Didn't seem as if there was anything too jaw-dropping. Uh, one of the non-coaching comments heard last night during, I think it was, I think it was Gabe on – What's that show called? The Huddle. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> what, was, what do they call that? Dude, We I, I literally did three shows with Gabe yesterday. But he he talked about not being impressed with their tackles. And watching SMU's tackles last week against La Tech, you thought, was it La Tech last week? You thought, dang, yeah. they're, they're going to go out there. And the Oklahoma Edge guys, Ford, uh, Adeboire, Bothroyd. Downs, all of them are going to have a chance to eat. Which is why I think you'd also want R. Mason Thomas <laughs> to be healthy as well. Well, and good that they were precautionary there. Oh, absolutely. All right, when we come back, let's hear from the Sooner offensive coordinator, Jeff Levy. We've got Brent Venable's press conference coming up at 1130, and it's live right here on the Home of Sooner Fans. I hope, I hope that this is answering some of the questions that you have off the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line with having the coaches answer them for you like this. 405-651-3439. Stogner, no targets. Anyone ask about that? Well, we did in, in Coach's Corner. 
And we did in Coach's Corner. And Coach Levy said, you know, we had a few plays dialed up for Stog in the red zone, and it just it didn't materialize. He was also asked about it, and, and we'll hear that clip on Thursday. He, he was also asked during that presser yesterday to, to evaluate the way that tight end room played on Saturday. Yeah, really steady, really consistent. Uh, tried to get Stog a couple balls, never ended up working out. Um, you know, but he played tough and he strained. And uh, a guy that, again, dang glad that he's here. So uh, got to clean up, got to play better like every one of us do. Blake Smith. Uh, really did a nice job, played a bunch of snaps. Cade McIntyre played a bunch of snaps. Josh played. So being able to play all four of those guys for the depth of that room and how we're going to operate moving forward was huge. Yeah. I, I hope Llewellyn can get back to 100%. I hope Caden Helms can too. I think they've got a chance to be good. But I, I did like, Josh, what I saw from the freshman in that room, Cade McIntyre. Per pro football focus. Ooh, I love this. 31 snaps for Stogner. Okay. 28 for Blake Smith. Let's see here. Josh Vanuel, 20, and Cade McIntyre, 19. So, yeah, I mean, there was a nice slice of the pie for uh, everybody. They didn't run a lot of two tights, did they? Just based on that number. Or at least you would think. Not, And I'm trying to remember, too. Stogner and Smith uh, must have, right? Because, I mean, that's – 31 snaps and 28. So that's 59 plus 20 is 79 plus 10 is 89, 98. So 98 snaps for tight ends and the total plays. Did I do that math right? I tried to do it off the top of my head. If I did, I'm taking the rest of the day off. Is that even close to the total snaps for Uh, tight ends? It was too much math for me to try and keep up with you. So 98 snaps, the total plays for the Sooners were 82. So yeah, what? A handful, like 16? Sure. And that doesn't even mix in. I mean, if Oklahoma did some five wides. Sure, and- sure. Yeah, interesting. I'm glad you have those numbers. All right, more. Uh, pace. This was the, fo- the first question asked of Levy, and I found it to be the most interesting. Uh, was he happy with the pace? In other words, you know, time of possession is such a – oh, gosh, I almost cussed. I wasn't even thinking. I'm just sitting here chilling, talking with you, and I literally almost cussed. <laughs> what is wrong with me today, dude? I blame Babs. Time of possession is sometimes such a BS stat, right? <laughs> because, you know, Oklahoma controls the clock 36-56 to 23-04. But yet, what are we looking at in some of those scoring drives, right? Punt return. Um, yeah, and not necessarily 10-play, couple nine-play drives. The uh- – Couple of drives in the second half. Right, they did. They were like, "Hey, we're slowing this thing down, boys." Let's sort go. of, sort of chewed up uh, some of the top. But I did. I did like the balance. I liked that when they wanted to, they could do that. And Coach Levy talked about, "Hey, you know, the, the the pace, and if he liked the way that they were able to control it on Saturday." You know, I I thought it was good. I felt like when we wanted to play fast and go fast, we were able to to do so, uh, with guys still having the ability to execute and play clean. And then I thought we did a nice job when we wanted to pull back a little bit, you know, and, and chew some clock and make sure we're putting our guys in good positions. So it was, uh, it was good to see kind of both ends of it. Yeah. Um, all right, this was another really good question. When people would complain about the Oklahoma passing game last year, what was an area of the field – that everyone lost their mind about. 
Middle of the field. Middle of the field. Middle of the field. Yeah, why, why are they not attacking in between the hashes? So, in fact, this was such a good question. I'm going to try to juice it up so you can hear it. Now, Lebby does go to Kimbe Matumbo on it, but I thought it was a really good question. You know, let's see if we can – let's see if this sounds okay. Hold on. Between Dylan and Jackson, you guys didn't have an incompletion on any of the passes between the numbers. Is that something they were giving you, something you guys were emphasizing? Is I guess is there anything to read into to that dominance in that part? I, I don't think there's a ton to read into that. You know, I, I do think those guys operated, again, cleanly, and decision-making was, was good. So guys made some competitive plays as well. So that was, that was also good to see. Okay. Because, boy, when they would run some of those quick slants. It's like, I could see this being trouble for opponents down the road. And it would just, that middle of the field is just not something we saw last year. We all created our own reasons, right? It's because Gabriel's too small. They can't run them because it gets batted down. But I thought that was a fascinating, fascinating number. Perfect across the middle. Wow. I can imagine there was somebody sweating, sitting in their seats that when that, I think it was literally like the first pass of the game was a pass across the middle. They swung out a Woo! few. And it's was like, wow, where has that been? I could see it. I can hear it. You know, you know, maybe you did it in your couch. I told you, Roger, over the middle. <laughs> oh, but I thought, I thought Lev's did a good job of shutting that down. Okay. What do we know? Granted, they were basically perfect everywhere. <laughs> they completed 30 of 33 passes. <laughs> I know. It's like, boy, you really seem like you had some success. And Jackson Arnold literally was perfect. Uh, it w- was that? Uh, don't read too much into that. Dang it. I thought the mid-range game was back. Oklahoma had a chance to play a lot of guys. Here's Jeff Lebby talking about the benefit of playing a lot of guys. And then uh, James Hale got, got coach talking a little bit about SMU. Uh, this is, though, first, first about playing a lot of guys and the difference. In yeah, it, it was huge being able to play all those guys. You know, it was one, it was it was great just for our locker room. You know, so many guys have put in so much time, so much effort, so much work uh, that they got to go out there and, and get to play. You know, and that was uh, that was fun for those guys. It was great to see. And again, great for our team, great for our unit. Um, was was proud of those guys with the way they played. You know, we've talked a ton about regardless of who's on the field, right, being able to go out and execute at a high level and, and understanding the standard of how we need to operate while we're on the field. So, again, proud of those guys when they got in there, went and played and played well, played hard, uh, didn't play perfect at all, but played incredibly hard, and it was good to see. Uh, SMU defensively, you know, you, you watch a game this past Saturday, and they – they really they dominated for four quarters. You know, six sacks, gave up 25 yards rushing, just played dominant. Uh, so and it, it jumps off the tape at you. So got a really good unit that we're preparing for. Uh, they've got a bunch of guys that have played a whole bunch of football. You know, only four true returning starters for SMU, but they've got a, you know, they did a really nice job in the portal being able to 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 go get some guys from different places and and they're playing really well with a lot of confidence right now. Obviously, Oklahoma ties, right? Corey, Robert, uh, Corey Roberson is there. Calvin Thibodeau is still their defensive line coach. But, I mean, it's not like Oklahoma's doing anything similar to what they were when Tibbs was here. Some personnel that he'll be familiar with, right? Jordan Kelly. Was Isaiah Coe here when he was here? I mean, he's only 
three seasons ago. I don't know why I can't remember it. But yeah, I don't know. There's some Oklahoma ties. I think on he that was SMU staff. So impressive. It was Louisiana Tech. Roberson did have a touchdown in that game. <laughs> but I'm I can't wait to dive a little bit deeper into Brett uh, into Rhett Lashley's team. Fun, interesting side story on Rhett Lashley. And if I screw up any of the details on this Brad Heath or Austin Chadwick, please let me know. I met Rhett Lashley in the Buzz Studios in Tulsa whenever he showed up because he was writing for Vibe because Malzahn had just left. And I want to say he went to Arkansas State and either didn't have a role for Lashley or it was an unpaid thing and he had to find a way to make some money. And so he was writing for Vibe Magazine. That's crazy. Isn't it? So he was right. And Chadwick undersold him. By the way, Austin, you completely undersold him. Yeah, you know, he's uh, – That kinda, sounds like Chadwick. It was like, you know, he's kind of an analyst on, on Malzahn's staff. He's <laughs> kind of a part of it. And, and literally you find out he was his right-hand man that ends up getting a D1 coaching job. Right. That's funny, man. But, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of Oklahoma dudes on this SMU roster, right? Uh, Will Keeney is uh, out of Owasso as an Oklahoma guy. You know, they've they've done a decent job over the last few years in hitting the portal. It's a good team. It's an interesting team. It's an interesting roster. I can't wait to see how the Sooners match up against them. I thought there was more than Tibbs, too, on the coaching staff that had an Oklahoma tie. Let's see. Tibbs on the defensive line. The defensive coordinator, Scott Simons. Literally, though, if you look around college football, it's not a uh, there's not a single person that in some way, shape, or form doesn't seem to have a have a tie to Coach Stoops or Oklahoma in some way, shape, or form. But no. No, actually it looks like it's just Calvin Thibodeau. But that. It'll be fun. Oh my gosh. Their strength and conditioning coach is Sean Griswold. Grizz is the man. So, good team coming up. Let's hear a little bit more from uh, Jeff Levy when we come back. We're counting down to the Brent Venables press conference. We'll bring it to you live at 1130. In the meantime, when we come back, Jaquez Petaway. And what did Jeff Levy think about those incompletions? How dare the Sooners have three incompletions? We'll get to the bottom of it next. Okay, we got the top five stories today coming up next. I just feel like I just feel like reading text. I because they're pretty good. What's the health of QB3? Writes the 50580. I've been under a rock since Saturday. Don't blame you. Not good. Nothing official, but it doesn't look good for Davis Bevel. General booty, QB3. Um, is Llewellyn injured? No. He, uh, he actually played, didn't he? Mm-hmm. A little bit, like four snaps or something. Angry Ronnie. Did Stogner even catch a ball? No. And then this from the 405. What's the latest on Stoops' injury? Could have come back in the game. Chose not to. Well, let me rephrase that. He, he, he wanted to come back in the game badly. The trainers, athletic trainers, made the decision to hold him out. Understandably so. And it looks like, what did Coach say? Just a, a sprained AC, which I'm sure is painful as all get out. Sure. But it looks like he's going to be able to play through it. Pain threshold thing. I think, did I answer all those? You did. You did great. I just wanted to hit. Those are the last few. Uh, Did anyone notice a name from the past with Trey Bradford 
catching the first big play with LSU. Wow, you know what? I didn't. I didn't. How will the Trey Bradford era at the University of Oklahoma be remembered, Josh? He was here and then he wasn't. I was worried. There were some of us that were worried that might be the case this year too. Gosh, yeah, he had that. Uh, he had that big fifty-five yard catch. What a weird story. We need at some point. We just need to have every single recruiting slash roster guru tell us their favorite guy that was supposed to be here or right. wasn't supposed to be here, and then the next thing you know, it's like where'd he go? And then it didn't happen. And it never happened. I know the who was the Quincy Russell was my favorite. You could do a whole I mean, you could probably do a week of shows with some of that content. Trey Bradford was at Oklahoma for such a short amount of time. When you look at his biography, it doesn't even mention that he was ever at Oklahoma. <laughs> because I guess technically, right, he wasn't. Dude, good catch on your part. How could I miss that? Uh okay, here we go. It's from the five and oh. An issue with the game experience. The communication with the Pride cheerleaders and DJ. The DJ will play music over the band, and the band will play over the cheerleaders, trying to get the crowd chant started. Plus, the crowd can be louder than either the speaker and the band. Let's get more OU and Boomer Sooner chants. Had to wait until between the first and second quarters to chant Boomer Sooner. Some some suggestions there. I'll tell you this much, my man. They're definitely listening. And... I'm sure I can get an answer on that. I I don't notice that, right? I'm kind of – that's not really geared towards me. No, you're dialed in to uh, what's going on. I'm dialed in trying not to drop dead down on the sidelines. (laughs) But I completely understand what you're talking about, right, where you can be like, well – there's like eight things going on here right now. What's up? And you know what? To folks that pay and are in attendance, the environment, the ambiance, all of it matters. It all matters. All right, top five stories of the day next.